Welcome to episode 10 of the AV Geeks Assemble podcast. I'm Andrew, and once again, I'm your host for this week. With me this week to speak to our guest are Alex. Hello. And Liam. Hi. How are you guys? You all right? Good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah, getting there. Um, so before we carry on, um, as you'll all remember from previous episodes, um, Ant was happy to announce that our podcast has transitioned to a video podcast. And that will be available on both YouTube and Coap Online. Uh, so Coap Online, Centre of Aviation Photography, if you don't already know, is a venture from Rich Cooper, uh, which is your one-stop shop for all things aviation photography. We will leave a link in the description of this video. Uh, before we introduce our guest for this episode, we just want to emphasise again that our opinions are entirely our own, and that does also go for any of our guests, either today or in the future. So now that's out of the way, it's time for our guests to join us on this flight. We're still not quite sure on the final destination, but we will see where it goes. So with us today is USAF C-17 pilot, Jeremy. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be yeah, with you. Yeah, not bad, not bad. How are you getting on? Good, good. Just uh, time between flights right now. So a little bit of office work and getting to do stuff like this. So all good. Yeah. I mean, thank you for joining us. We, we appreciate your time. Obviously, busy man as a pilot. So uh, we're grateful for your time. So thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Cheers. Um, so to start off with, um, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, how you got into aviation and photography. Okay, sure. So for me, aviation definitely came long before photography. Um, kind of grew up, my dad was in the Navy and he was one of the crew chiefs on the... Um, the carriers. So he was one of the guys that would like launch the F-18s and the F-14s and stuff like that. So growing up, I uh, got to hear all the stories about being out at sea and being around the planes and the jet fuel and the uh, the sound of the engines and all that. So I was just kind of in that culture growing up. Um, I was always super into anything motorized that kind of goes fast, um, just motorcycles to you know, skateboards and bicycles and of course airplanes too, fast cars. So that was kind of my whole just drive from a really early age. Um, so actually initially I was a motorcycle racer for about five or six years. Now it's kind of my initial direction. It's really trying to get started in that, trying to train to go pro in that arena. Um, but after kind of doing the career calculus on that, figured that the chances of a long and fruitful career and that is kind of, kind of slim. So looked at the options and uh, flying airplanes was at the top of the list for sure. And so uh, from there did Air Force ROTC and started doing pot lessons and uh, was lucky enough to go to pot training with the Air Force and just been doing that ever since and loving every minute. Nice. Ideal. Yeah. Um, what about the photography side of things? Do you do much in the way of photography or? Uh, so I actually just got my first camera recently. Uh, nice the uh canon uh one of the entry models yeah (laughs) it was a gift so i didn't uh i I love it for what it is and it's been great for me and also the uh the capability of the camera you know is way higher than my capability as a photographer so plenty of room to grow (laughs) still for me um but i've kind of gotten into that recently always kind of been like the idea of photography and then it was kind of just i guess maybe several months ago that put two and two together and realized that taking pictures and being around airplanes, it's a win-win. There's like no way to have a bad time uh, mixing those two things. So um, been kind of dabbling a little bit in trying to learn, you know, aperture, shutter speed, and um, definitely 
more challenging than taking a picture with like the iPhone or like your cell phone mm-hmm. camera. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm kind of getting my feet wet with that and uh, trying to learn as I go. Well, we're looking Alex forward is. to seeing your results, definitely. I think Alex is in the same boat though. Yes, <laughs> I'm a yeah, newbie as well. You got your first camera as well, haven't you? Yep, the Canon as well. Oh, I'm outnumbered <laughs> here, three to one. This isn't fair. Um, no, nice one. No, it's, it's always good fun. Um, like obviously your first camera, you'll always remember that first camera because it's just different, like you say, compared to an iPhone where you, you point and shoot with, uh, unless you've got it on auto, which there's nothing wrong with that. There's a little bit more to it, isn't there? I know when we were, uh, yeah, when we were at um, Lake and Heath recently, you're there talking about settings, who's got it and what, who recommends this and that. So there's quite a bit to it. So it's, but it's enjoyable. As long as you do enjoy it, it's it's quite fun. Um, but yeah, no, that's cool. Like I say, looking forward to seeing how it all goes for you, mate. Um, so to continue, we thought the best way for us to get to know our guest uh, and for you, the listeners, to get uh, to know Jeremy as well, uh, we thought we'd bring back one of our other um, icebreaker games, uh, which <laughs> unfortunately for me, because I'm not very good at it, it's 20 <laughs> questions. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know the rules, uh, we'll ask Jeremy 20 yes or no uh, answer questions to see if we can find out his favourite ever airframes. Uh, if we do get to question 20, then we must make a guess. So everyone clear on the rules? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So what we'll do, we'll go in the order that's on my screen, which Alex, you can go first. Then we'll go for me. Then we'll go for Liam. You guys happy with that? Yep. yep. Jeremy, you ready? You got the airframe in mind? Ready to go. Yep. All right. Alex, take it away. Uh, obviously start with the obvious one. Uh, is it a US Air Force airframe? Um, yes. Yes. Okay. Good start. Uh, Yeah, it is a very good start. (laughs) One for one. (laughs) Um, Is it uh, a jet aircraft? It would be considered jet aircraft, yes, but it's a little more to it than that. Right. Yes. I'll go with yes. All right. We'll have to see if we can uh... (laughs) (laughs) make that a bit clearer. It's on it, Google, up for it. Uh, oh, um, is it still in service? Not, unfortunately. Nope. Okay. Whoa. Um, does it have two engines? Uh, I believe, yes, two is the number for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not 100% sure on that. So if, if I'm telling you wrong right now, then you <laughs> win by default. But I'm going to go with two, yeah. Okay. So it's not in service. Two engines, US aircraft. Um, uh, could it be flown with just one pilot? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's mm. another hard one. Could it land on a carrier ship? Yeah, it would not go well. <laughs> <laughs> oh. US Air Force, two engines, one pilot, mm. not in service. Now, I want to guess at the Blackbird, but that's probably not right. Not, you're not cold on that. Okay. 
that was my question. <laughs> okay, we'll just we'll just ignore all that. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of someone I can ask that eliminates the blackbird. Uh... Is it the blackbird? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Right, everyone's. But there. but that's uh, you're in the right ballpark there, I'd say. Okay, that's all right. I'll just leave it. With... I have no idea. I'm going to amend the answer and say it's a it's a single engine aircraft, um, kind of the same neighborhood as the uh, SR-71, um, but it has one nozzle. I thought it had two engines, but I just looked it up. I'm pretty sure it has one, um, if that helps okay. at all. Right, so it's a single. <laughs> no. Right, so, so if we recap, it's a, a single engine aircraft that was in service with the US Air Force that isn't anymore. That can be piloted by one pilot. Right, so that was our recap. So essentially what we've said okay. is single-engined aircraft that was in service with the US Air Force can be piloted by one pilot. Um, I think that's sort of where we got so far, isn't it? Yeah. I think it was your question, Andrew, if you've got them. <laughs> uh, was it stealth-capable? Uh, no, it wasn't designed for stealth. It wasn't designed for stealth. But um, inadvertently, it probably would be pretty stealthy i think its cross section would be pretty small oh that wasn't its purpose but it would be pretty small signature right all right well that was question seven Liam. <laughs> <laughs> oh all right i'll hop in um okay is it been has it been used at the uh Nellis air force base was that one of its testing yeah. Yep. Hmm. Alex, it sounds like you're onto something. Yeah, you're ahead of me, man. <laughs> I've got two things in mind. Um, <laughs> the problem is I'll have to bloody Google them. Um, <laughs> I knew we should have researched uh, US Air Force aircraft. I've got one. Well, a question. Um, how long was it in service for? Uh, just short of a decade. So it wasn't it wasn't an old one then. As in it weren't mm. in service for a long, you know, a long time considering. It's a little obscure, but yeah, it was it was a short service. <laughs> well, and I used the term service. <laughs> yeah. But you're you're on the right track with the SR seventy one. Similar mission, similar uh, philosophy behind creating the aircraft see when you say similar to sr 71 all i can think of is a u2 but obviously we still have the u2 so mm -hmm. yeah i just think high and fast <laughs> ufo <laughs> pretty close pretty close some people might have called it that if they first saw it second oh uh, this could did it sometimes have problems with its very small wingspan mm. I don't remember reading anything specifically about that, but looking at pictures of it, I'd be shocked if it didn't. Go um, on, Andrew, what was it? Hey, the one that's come to my mind, and I could be completely wrong here, is the F-104 Starfighter. Mm, close. Oh! Close. Starfighter. <laughs> All right, well, that was, a good guess. that was question 10. <laughs> 10 more. Uh, was it ever deployed? No, not operational for combat. Right, okay. 
um, could it do any sort of air combat missions or is it long haul? No, um, really wasn't designed for combat. Um, so did no armament or anything like that. So was it a surveillance aircraft? Uh, also, no. Oh. no. I'm not helping you that much here. <laughs> not strictly a surveillance Yikes. aircraft. This is definitely Area 51. We just don't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the right track. They're on the right track. Not anymore. Right track. Not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Actually, I hope it's not. Maybe I should check. <laughs> No, it's not. It's a single-engined aircraft that used to be in the U.S. Air Force, uh, piloted by one pilot, high and fast. One engine. Yeah, uh, small, like a small aircraft. I, I can hear Martin shouting at us right now. I know, Martin. <laughs> they're going to be absolutely... I'm probably am. Right I can give you a hint. Okay, so this aircraft didn't actually take off like a normal aircraft would. It started its flight already airborne attached to a larger aircraft. Uh, <laughs> is it the space shuttle? No, but close. Oh. <laughs> In a way. Some people might call it a space shuttle, but no, it's not. It's, it's is, I can, I can, I can, I'm pretty sure I can see it in my head, but I'm going to be on it. I don't know what it was called. Is that off 20 questions now? We no, we've yeah, done... we're probably on about 44. <laughs> <laughs> we've done 14 questions. Oh, oh yeah. It's... Wow. So it's getting close. 14. So it doesn't it's actually after... take off. It's already in the air. Yeah. yeah. It's like docked on another aircraft. If you know, you know at this point. I don't know if and it's not the spatial. No. What? All I can hear is Martin screaming at us. I know. Yeah. It's docked on another aircraft. It's not the spatial. What on earth? <laughs> you two lads are looking down. Are you Googling? <laughs> Andrew is one hundred percent Googling. No. <laughs> um I would say give us another clue, but it would probably give it away. Well, no, it won't at this stage, though. So it, it didn't have a strictly uh, jet engine, but it had a rocket engine. So in that way, it's similar to uh, the shuttle. It has an actual rocket engine attached to the back. It wasn't called the X-15, was it? Yep. You got oh, it. I knew it! Oh. <laughs> North American X-15. Wow. Nice. Good guess, Andrew. <laughs> Look, with the, with the correct editing and tweaking, we got that in about 10 questions. <laughs> that's yeah. one good. Uh, I'll, I'll edit it. So after I ask, is it in the US Air Force? That's it. You just say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, wow, that was easy. Oh, dear. Yeah, man. it's kind of obscure. I thought the SR 71 would be a little bit too yeah. easy. Um, and honestly, no. I like the X 15 a little bit more anyway, because it's. I need to look it up. Yeah, it's, it's I don't even know what it is. Plan. It so, was, so, so it docked. Sorry, I was just going to say, how, uh, so what, what made you choose that airframe then? I uh, just, I think it's kind of like a flying machine in its purest form of oh, wow. the highest speeds oh. and the highest altitudes that it can attain. It's very experimental, hence the uh, X designation for the X-15. Mm -hmm. um, and just the ingenuity that went uh, behind designing it and getting it to all work and the way that they docked it up on the B-52. The B-52 took off with this little airplane hanging off of its wing. 
and then That's took what off. I'm just looking at. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a heck of a little machine. Um, and then they would just catapult it off and turn on the rockets and just basically launch to space and then glide back down. Um, but I just like the uh, that whole era was really amazing when um, people were pressing the limits more than more than ever before. This the um, Bell was it the B one? No, not B one. Uh, X1? Yeah, I think it was the X1, the first one that broke the sound barrier with Chuck Yeager. Right. Just that whole era has always really appealed to me. So was that ever, this might be a silly question, but I don't know, was was it ever piloted, that X15 then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it had one pilot in there. Right. Yep. <laughs> wow. So he's basically fired off of a B-52 in a little rocket. That is yeah. outrageous. Yeah. I mean, not like very many people can say that, can they? I mean... You know, in all fairness, there's not many people that can say they're C-17 pilots, but there's even fewer <laughs> that can be that can say they've been rocketed off of a B-52. Yeah, it was a special, special era. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, fair play. Cool. Fair play. You had us on that one. I'll, I'll give you that. But um, <laughs> one day, chaps, we'll actually get one in good timing. <laughs> We've got a few more questions for you, Jeremy. Um, Alex, we'll start with you, mate. Uh, do you have a favorite base and also do you have a favorite air show? Um, favorite base is hard because there's so many. Um, I like different bases for different reasons. Um, I love Charleston. I mean, that's kind of the obvious answer. Uh, I've been based here for a few years and um, definitely love the location. You're right close to the beach. Um, and also, I like going into the um, Northern California region a lot too. They have Travis Air Force Base up there and Beale Air Force Base. Um, both of those facilities are pretty solid and you're right there by the beach on one side and then you can go over to the Sierra Nevadas, um, up into the mountains, do some skiing or snowboarding or snowmobiling. And there's uh, a lot to do whenever you're spending time up at those bases in Northern California. Nice. Right. Uh, air show, probably uh, my favorite that I've been to. I haven't been to a whole lot of air shows, unfortunately, not yet. Um, but my favorite air show that I've been to is the Singapore air show. Um, I went back in 2018 and um, that was just, I think it's the largest air show in Asia. At least that's what they tout as their claim to fame. Um, and so seeing all those demonstrations and all the static displays from all over the world was amazing and singapore is a really interesting fun place as well definitely a lot of fun there nice have you um ever done the air tattoo in england not yet but that would definitely be on the bucket list yeah nice. check that out because yeah. i've seen pictures and videos and definitely looks pretty epic yeah cool nice one um liam yep um so have you got any advice for someone who'd like to join the air force yeah absolutely um i'd say with joining the Air Force, there's a lot of people that do it because they maybe can't think of something better to do or can't think of something else to do. Um, I think just having a plan in mind, I've met some people that they're, they're in and they don't really know, they're not striving for one goal or another, they're kind of just floating through. So um, I think the people that I've known in the military that have had the best experience kind of have their expectations and their objectives mapped out. Um, so if there's like a certain career experience that they want to get out of it, that helps a lot. Um, for pilots specifically, um, I think just being aware that you're an officer first, that's what they tell you in all the training. And like, they'll tell you that right up front. And when they told me that at first, I was like, okay, yeah, sure. But I mean, really, I'm a pilot, right? And they're like, no, you're really an officer first. So that means 
uh, writing performance reports. That means um, doing scheduling, uh, counseling, uh, all those administrative functions that unfortunately can take a larger and larger portion of your, uh, your calendar, especially as you go on. So um, I guess just be prepared for that and uh, enjoy the flying because it doesn't last forever. Um, it's a pretty short window for a lot of pilots, especially in the military, uh, that they're able to fly. So definitely uh, remind yourself like that you're lucky to do it and uh, enjoy it for all it's worth. Yeah, good advice. Yeah, nice one. Um, so this one's a sort of, um, yeah, this one's a, a good question as well. So uh, if you could fly any other aircraft in the military, um, which one would you choose? So this one, it's a toss up for me. Um, there's two that were like be right at the top of the list. Uh, those are two would be the A-10 and the B-1. Um, <laughs> for really different. <laughs> yeah. They're just, I love those aircraft because they're, they're purpose designed for one thing to be really good at it, a non-conventional application. And I think, you know, they're, they meet all their, um, their objectives as an aircraft, unlike a lot of other aircraft. So like the A-10, the close air support, no other plane in the world can do exactly what it does um, yeah. as well. So just like the, the proficiency in its mission is unmatched and being down there in the dirt with the helicopters and the tanks and the commandos and stuff, I think would be uh, a really cool use of, uh, of aviation. And then of course the uh, B1 is supersonic bomber, just like this giant, the engines are actually very similar, if not identical to the F-16 engines, but there's just four of them strapped <laughs> to the back of this big Delta wing. It's just like this crazy machine that I think would be really cool to fly. Yeah. 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 You, oh, um, oh. Sorry, go on, Liam. Can you just hurry up and get trained up in the A-10 and fly one over here? <laughs> you drew one this summer and it's not turning up, so it would be nice. Yeah, they're, they're getting old. They're probably breaking here and there. But... You know what? We all got really excited because obviously the A-10 demo team announced that they were doing the air tattoo this year. I've never even seen one static, ever. Um, so when they announced that, I was obviously buzzing, the same as everyone else, but then... Ria, as we know, and keep going on about, not that we're bitter, has been cancelled. So our fingers are crossed for next year. Um, but yeah, no, very, very solid choices. Um, it's, it's funny because obviously for me personally, obviously I know everyone's different. Given the choice of flying anything, I'd go straight up fast F-15, F-16, something with, you know, basically a rocket with missiles on it. So it's quite interesting to hear you know other opinions like yourself of you know the a10 or the b1 i think that's really cool i think um, everyone would probably pick a fast jet and a bomber type aircraft wouldn't they but then uh, but then obviously some of the um like videos and pictures and things like that you see of like the u2 the experience you must get in something like that must be outrageous yeah, I have a few friends that fly the U-2 and it's definitely, that's speaking of like purpose designed aircraft, that's definitely one of them. Like there's one thing that that airplane's meant for and it's really, really good at it. Yeah. And it's just been like built from the ground up just for that one thing, but definitely a different world that those guys live in. I think being isolated in this big space suit by yourself, I could imagine not loving that long-term, but a lot of guys are suited for it and definitely awesome mission they get to do. I mean, we're very lucky to have them. Um two of them based at the airport over here. I think we've got six now, haven't we? I'm not sure. I'm pretty certain we've had, I'm pretty certain this week we've had six for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but we're, we're very lucky to have you two here. 
Yeah, I've still not seen one flying, to be fair. I've seen, again, I've seen one of them on static, but I've never seen one flying, so that's definitely... I've seen one at 65,000 feet, but I don't think that counts. (laughs) (laughs) So is that, so Jeremy, that's not something that appealed to you really then, something like the U2? I mean, I would definitely probably fly it a few times, but I just think the the long duration up there um, in this... 60 year old airplane the challenge would definitely be exciting but um yeah, yeah i just think like the that isolated environment um i i definitely thrive more in like a crew environment a little yeah. more like teamwork and uh, bouncing off other agencies and stuff but i mean it wouldn't be a bad choice i wouldn't turn it down yeah if it came <laughs> along eventually so something like the c-17 and that sort of sized aircraft is that always what like your end goal personally was did you did you want to do something like that where it's bigger with more of a team yeah good question when I first got to pilot training it was there was one of like three or four airplanes that I really liked the idea of um, and so initially I started looking into the F-15E because um, I when I was growing up I actually got to visit Seymour Johnson in uh, North Carolina mm-hmm. and um, they were practicing the demonstrations uh, there and I remember them flying right over the tower at you know ridiculous speeds was the loudest thing that I'd ever experienced at the time and um, that definitely kind of tilted me towards F-15E so I looked into that uh, the C-17 was on the list from the start um, and then also like the uh, the A-10 was kind of up there as well but as I went through pilot training you learn a lot about the kind of pilot that you are and the kind of environments that you're going to thrive in and the kind of missions that you want to do and I kind of as UPT uh, pilot training progressed by the end of it I knew that C-17s would be at the top of my list, mainly for that crew dynamic and just the, uh, the wide variety of the missions that they do, the locations that they go, and it's, it's always something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. No, ideal. Um, obviously, I'm sure we've got a few more questions, but we'll carry on with it. So we've got some questions online um, from a, a few of our you know, um, team members and friends. Um, so Mike had a few questions for you. I'll start with his first one. Um, and he asked, uh, what's the weirdest or most unusual cargo that you've ever transported? Good question. Um, I think some of the things that come to mind we're not supposed to talk about. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you're allowed to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of the missions do kind of have a, a shadier, um, like they definitely kind of lock you down on what you're able to say. But the yeah. ones that do come to mind... Um, I remember as a young co-pilot, I was maybe 23 or 24, somewhere around there. And uh, we went, we loaded up the president's limousines, uh, which was a crazy experience. Um, So there's two of them and they just kind of drove them right into the C-17. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, you know, a guy in his young twenties with the president's limos on the back and this massive airplane, like flying into New York city and stuff. Like this crazy amount of responsibility for, for a pilot like that young, you know, um, they, they definitely train us and like we're ready to do it but yeah. I remember at the time just thinking like that's that's the presidential limo it's right there and you're flying it around in the back of your airplane is is a weird feeling uh, <laughs> and then a lot of the the combat stuff is really cool too um the guns the um different weapon systems that we take into uh, the middle east downrange uh, that stuff is pretty rewarding because you know it's going to go towards keeping those people safe out there yeah no nice awesome answer um Alex did you want to ask the next one yeah, um, obviously you're only be able to answer this if you have flown a C-17 at low level, but what is it like to flow a C-17 at low level? 
just purely because of the size of the aircraft it must be yeah it's it's not right it's like not natural <laughs> the first time you do it um it's definitely strange because we do low levels in pilot training uh, in the smaller airplanes and and it feels you know it feels about right you know you're you're maneuvering you're down there you have a, a really good understanding of you know your wings are like 10 feet this way and 10 feet that way and i'm going to be well clear of that ridge or well clear of those trees over there but the first time you just blast into a low level on a c-17 it's like god this thing is massive and <laughs> you kind of have to develop that sense of where it starts and where it ends because we fly them oftentimes usually we start at 300 feet above the ground level um wow. and so wingtip to wingtip the c-17 is about half that length so if you totally bank it over then a, a pretty good percentage of your distance above the ground is now eaten up just by how long the wingtip is when it swings below you so it's uh it's definitely strange at first but after you get used to it it's like you totally forget how large the aircraft is it just feels like a you know another small nimble aircraft and uh, you can just kind of throw it around and do what what you want with it then you get back on the ground and you remember how massive it is looking out the windows <laughs> things like a building because <laughs> obviously we've um we've only had one c17 through the loop am i right in saying that i think i, I think it's only been i think it's only been about one but uh do you do more low-level sorties in the states or oh yeah yeah we do i think i've done two uh this month and at least one last month um but it's a pretty common occurrence on our local training flights uh, we'll build that into our training go out there and do a low level practice different tactical situations maneuvering and um planning out the whole low level point by point that's kind of a a, a detailed process honestly you'll spend mm. the better part of a full day just building your charts and mapping out uh, all the highest terrain all the highest features and then making sure that you're deconflicting and defining your altitudes appropriately so it's a lot of legwork but flying the actual thing there's nothing like it and uh, i definitely still have fun doing them I can imagine. I definitely don't doubt that. Uh, Liam, did you want to ask the next one? Yep. Um, so what is the pro process for being selected for C-17? Is it a personal choice preference um, or more of a military decision around where they need the pilots based on their own skills? Yeah, good Sorry, question. It's a little, bit of, <laughs> a little bit of both. Um, of course, primarily the Air Force is going to get what they want, um, and they're going to say, this month we need this many pilots for the F-16, this many pilots for the 35, this many for the C-130, etc. Um, so that comes down, and that's the bottom line for everyone. And then after that, it's, it's similar really throughout the military, at least in the U.S., um, where you can fill out your, your dream sheet, and you can say, I'd like this, this, and this. And then they look at what they have, and then they go through uh, each pilot and um, they'll, they'll all be ranked. They rank us one to X through, throughout the career in, in every situation. So you'll be ranked. And so the number one person, uh, they'll look at their dream sheet and say, okay, like number one is F-16 to Shaw. Uh, do we have that? Yes, okay, he gets it. Uh, number two pilot in the class, what do they want? Number one, not available. Number two, okay, we can do that. So then they just kind of go through like that from my understanding. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that's kind of how they give you your airframe. Um, in pilot training, at the time I was going through, a lot of people wanted the C-17, at least in my class, but that can vary by class too. You know, sometimes no one will want fighters and everyone will just want like mobility stuff because they want to do airline stuff or they just don't like the thought of that. Um, traditionally, it's more common for more people to be fighting for fighters. 
Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So that's usually the case, but it, it definitely varies a lot by class. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, that's all right. Interesting. Uh, yeah, no, very interesting. Yeah. Um, you want I mean, to be number one or two on the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, because like you said, they obviously people fighting for fighters or people wanting to go C-17 for the airline route. Is, is there a way of, because I'm pretty sure you can in the RAF, I, I could be wrong, but so some, some pilots I've heard obviously start off, for instance, fast jet, um, and then they'll maybe go up to a transport, maybe a C-130, while still in the RAF, obviously for the possibility of coming out and then getting a job as an airline pilot. Is that something you can do in the US Air Force as well? You can. Yeah, I've known a few uh, pilots who have done that, but it's probably not as common as you think. Um, okay. Generally, once you're in a community, you stay in that community. Maybe you'll go to something slightly different, but mostly similar to what you're in. Um, but there's certain exceptions where you'll see that. But um, overall, it's, it's pretty uncommon, unfortunately. I know the Air Force, back in the day, um, they used to have pilots that you know, could fly four or five, six different aircraft in their career, and they were able to, to swap around like that. But uh, unfortunately, in the modern Air Force, you're kind of tracked, and then you stick to that path largely. Yeah. All right. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Because um, obviously, it's by the sounds of things with a lot of people, is once you get your wings, you you just want to keep doing it until the last day, don't you? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, so how long have you actually been flying the C-17 for? Uh, so I flew the C-17 after pilot training for about two and a half years. Um, and then I went off and um, did some flying in another airframe and then came back to the C-17 uh, recently. Um, so altogether about three and a half years total. Okay, fair enough. And you've got uh, no intentions of going anywhere else then at the moment? At the moment, no. I'd like to just kind of stay here as long as I can. Love the mission and uh, love the aircraft. Live in, uh, in a city that, that I enjoy as well. So I'm um, trying to hopefully stay here as long as I can and then um, maybe look at find something else when I get out of here. Maybe another C-17 assignment somewhere. We have uh, about five bases in the United States that do the C-17. So you have a few options out there. Okay. if you're up for a, uh, a move is yeah. there any possibility of the uh, c17 demo team a demo team for yourself yeah would you be able to join that oh yeah they have a um so they do that there's like an east coast demo team and a west coast demo team um and we do have that at charleston so like eventually uh, if i wanted to apply for that i think it would be possible to do that um don't have a huge draw to do it right now, but I mean, maybe as I start doing more and more photography and want to be at all the air shows, I could see that being something yeah, I like. I like that. That's good thinking. Wow. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll add another one. Um, what's what is your uh, favorite thing about the C seventeen? So yeah, really, it's just the uh, the variety of um, the day to day stuff. I think like when you get to a new airplane it's really exciting and novel and interesting for a while. Um, and then you kind of get used to it. And the thing for me that keeps it interesting, um, keeps me coming back for more is the different missions, the different places we go. You know, you could be out in Europe uh, doing humanitarian aid type of thing. And then two or three weeks later, you could be down in um, India or uh, Vietnam, something like that. You'd be doing air shows, um, just we even have the uh, Antarctic mission. Charleston doesn't do that, uh, but that's one of the missions that you can get to go and like resupply the research stations out there. Um, oh, wow. Just the, the sheer variety of things that we can do um, and places that we can go. That, 
that definitely does it for me. That's class. I didn't know there was that last one. <laughs> yeah, that is class. Uh, Liam, have you got any more questions, mate? Yeah, kind of just leading off what you've just been talking about, really. Um, I guess it's two questions in one. Um, where's your favourite place you've had to go? Um, and where's one of the places you'd most like to go to if you've not been? It's a good one. It's a hard one. Um, <laughs> on my last count, I've been to... <laughs> yeah, Milden Hall, of course, number one. But in terms of number two, um, I've, I've been to over 50 countries at this point, and even remembering them all, sometimes I can't offhand. Um, but the ones that stick out, like Singapore, I mentioned that earlier, that was a really cool country. Um, just totally different world over there. Um, and that was really, really interesting. Um, Madagascar and Mauritius, which is, uh, Mauritius is a little island off the coast of Madagascar over there. Um, those are really interesting and those stick out. Uh, Norway, Denmark, uh, there's so many that come to mind that I'd love to go back to. Um, but a lot of cool places. It's really hard to pick just one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll go with uh, Lake Geneva. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> love that. Um, no, that's that's class. Um, I'm sure I had another question. Um, how many, if you can say, how many missions have you been on? Um, it's a good question. Probably in the neighborhood of 50 to 60 altogether. Wow. Yeah, somewhere around there. And they is can it, be anywhere from sometimes they're like two or three days, sometimes they're two, three weeks. Um, is the majority of that Middle East? Um, a higher percentage than I would have chose for myself, <laughs> uh, definitely. Um, majority pro probably close to majority yeah of, uh, if you look at just missions it's interesting you just you said just then obviously could be two three days could be two three weeks so with, with what you do obviously in the c17 have you ever had to do like months away like really long deployments or is what you do more a case of you you go there do what you need to do and come back in a space of a shorter time than you know say um some that go away for six months yeah um we do deploy currently so we'll be gone for about three months at a time okay. um and usually we deploy to you know the kind of places that you'd imagine uh down there and um basically just jumping from one little place to the next um move in you know these commandos need to go here and these medical supplies need to go here and you just kind of jump in all throughout that theater um okay. and those are about three months at a time um so it really depends on the kind of mission um there's different categories of missions, but a lot of the uh, downrange stuff will be done by the people that are deployed there. And we rotate uh, pretty much year round okay. uh, to keep pilots over there for that mission. Um, Alex and Liam, I'm shortly about to move on to some photography questions. Have you got any more aviation related questions? <laughs> uh, we can ask them after if you want. Yeah. <laughs> I've got <Actually>, loads. <laughs> transition wise, yeah, yeah. Um, go, for go for photography. Yeah. Um, so, Obviously, we've spoken a lot about the C-17. We've spoken a lot about, obviously, what you do in the Air Force, which obviously really interesting stuff. Um, but as we know, this is also uh, photography-based. And obviously, we spoke to you earlier on, and you said got your new camera. Um, have you got anything? Obviously, you want to take pictures of aircraft and air shows. Is there anything you've got in mind photography-wise that you want to try as well? Have you got, like, do you want to try landscapes or, you know, underwater or anything like that? 
Well, now that you mentioned underwater, I kind of want to do that. It hadn't even occurred to me before. <laughs> nice. That's, that sounds pretty cool. Maybe do like the cage diving and get the great white sharks and all that down in, yeah. uh, down in Australia or something. But I mean, primarily for me, it's kind of just branched off of aviation and flying okay. um, and kind of that day-to-day -day exposure. So right now I'm really focused on, I guess, the uh, aircraft while they're flying, it's, as you all probably know all too well, it's very challenging to get those. So uh, trying to hone that skill of catching the motion, but not too much blurriness. Um, that's kind of the challenge for me right now. And then also I want to uh, keep developing my ability to catch things from the cockpit view, um, mm. kind of like that pilot's eye perspective of whatever you're seeing, you know, both like the cockpit environment and whatever is going on in external to the uh, to the aircraft as well. So Would you be allowed to um, take your camera on base? My next question. Um, <laughs> yes, you, you can. Uh, although there are like certain regulations for the flight line, so depending on what's going on with security forces, they may or may not come harass you if you're taking pictures of the flight line. Um, but as long as you know the rules, like as a uh, Air Force member you kind of know, don't take pictures of certain things and then it's sanitized and, um, you know, there's, there's no harm that could really come from it. So yeah. uh, I wouldn't recommend going on base with a, a big camera, but, you know, if you have like a cell phone, you might get away with it pretty easily. Kind of. <laughs> so they, they, this big telescope. they don't question you taking pictures in the cockpit? In the cockpit, no. Um, no, thankfully they kind of, they leave you alone up there for the most part. And then of, of course there's some missions where you, you just know, yeah. that you don't need to be taking yeah. pictures and so if, if someone another pilot or, or someone is taking pictures you definitely need to like let them know it's not a good idea um, but everyone kind of has a feel for that on those yeah. sorts of missions yeah so i guess it's a lot of it is to do with sort of judging the environment and what you're doing and i guess the operation that you're carrying out at that point as well really isn't it oh absolutely yeah using yeah. some discretion that'll account yeah. for a lot because <laughs> i think it's, it's funny because um Alex, the um, our previous guest, uh, he's KC135 crew chief. He was saying similar about being on base and taking pictures. It was a case of you can, but you <laughs> could be told, right, those pictures you've just got, delete. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's interesting to know that regardless of where you are, it, the rules still apply. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, nice. No, that's cool. Um, guys, have you got any more questions? Alex? Not at the moment. <laughs> Not at the moment. Probably after recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Just leading on from um, about taking your camera um, on base, what about in the cockpit? Obviously, we know phone photos people get are pretty amazing already, so I guess there's no need, but can you take your camera on board and hope that you can get something? Or? So I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. I actually haven't brought my full up camera yet into the cockpit so i'll see uh the what the other pilots have to say about that when i get the camera out and start trying to get some good photography um i'd imagine they're going to be like it's it's the same thing in principle yeah. as uh, with the yeah. cell phone um and of course it would be in a situation where we have at least three pilots so two of them are up there doing their thing and then maybe you're back there as the additional pilot um the relief pilot and um maybe at that point so i'm going to test that out yeah. probably in the next few yeah. weeks bringing my my real camera and try and actually get something usable uh, up till now it's been primarily just like a cell phone type stuff so we know how good they are anyway 
Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, like, um, I, obviously I hope he doesn't mind me mentioning him on here, but I saw recently there's a, a someone I follow on uh, Instagram, Extreme Ross, who is a U2 pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said he was he was basically explaining um, where he was going for a shot of flying through Aurora Borealis, the Northern Lights. It, it just outrageous because what he was saying is similar to what you were saying where you're moving and you're trying to take pictures of things whilst moving and trying to get the correct speeds and shutters and obviously glass reflection and things like that and it's just it's something that for us with our feet on the ground on the outside it's something we don't have to think about do you know what I mean unless we were to get lucky enough to do air-to-air photography or something um, I mean, his, I mean, the, the name says enough in itself. It was extreme. You know, he's in the U2 trying to get pictures of the Northern Lights. It's outrageous. But it's just these things that you don't think of, you know, and it's it's really interesting to think that extra sort of challenge that you might face in the photography that maybe we don't on the ground. Yeah, That's definitely, definitely a different perspective, the, the motion and the blur. I, you know, it's probably the same for you guys, but maybe 1% of the pictures that I take I, are actually salvageable in any way. Like, okay, I can, I can try and use this one, but the motion and yeah, it's, it could definitely get sloppy. I've seen his work too, Ross, and that's definitely, uh, that's taken the, the U2 to the, the max there and definitely getting the, uh, the best angles of what, what they do. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's, there are so many good accounts, obviously, on Instagram to follow. Um, yourself included, of course. Uh, obviously, <laughs> we've not brought you on here for no reason. Obviously, we do love the content. And I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what you can do with the camera now as well. Um, but, um, I mean, obviously, with that being said, Jeremy, have you got any questions for us at all? I do, yeah. I wanted to uh, see if you guys have any tips for, as like a, a new aviation photographer, big picture on... Um, I guess, how to improve your uh, aviation photography at the beginning or things that you would tell yourself uh, when you were just starting out, things that you guys have learned uh, becoming experts in your field there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll stay out of this one. (laughs) Yeah, I think Andrew's the most experienced one. Yeah, go on, Andrew, take it away. (laughs) The the, The very first thing that came to mind, which I wish I was told from day one, and unfortunately, it wasn't until about a year ago is make sure you shoot raw, not JPEG. Um, to a lot of people, that's going to seem very Captain Obvious of me to say. But to other people, they might be sat there going, well, why? Um, which is what I thought. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So essentially, when you shoot a raw file, it's, it's a bigger file when you can do a lot more with it in post-processing which basically means that where before you might have you know say you took a hundred pictures um if you shoot in jpeg maybe you lose half of them um shooting in raw you might lose a quarter of them um because you've just got that more that you can use you know that you can uh, actually edit with and salvage some shots um prime example is one of the first times I've recently shot in raw was our trip to Lakenheath recently. Um, the majority of my shots were underexposed on purpose, just to obviously make sure that they were sharp enough. Um, but then when it came to post-processing, at first it looks like a very dark silhouetted aircraft. By the time you start upping exposures and taking up shadows, 
um, messing around with post-processing, you look at it and it, it just looks like a completely different shot. Um, and where from before, and even on the back of your camera, you might delete it, you're all, you're all of a sudden ridiculously proud of this shot that you've got. Um, so that would be my number one, is make sure you're shooting in RAW. Um, and also try not to compare your work to others too much. Um, there's a difference between taking inspiration and comparing. Um, we've had a few guys and a few... Uh, it's horrible, my shots are rubbish compared to yours, my shots are this, I wish I could do that. And we have to say to people, look, everyone's different. Everyone's setups are different. Everyone's, you know, um, things like that. It, it's, it's more about yourself and comparing yourself to the past version of how you first started. So essentially, don't be too hard on yourself and shoot in raw, is what I'd say. <laughs> well, uh, sorry, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Liam, Alex, have you got much to add to that? Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, no. Go on, Liam. Uh, I guess don't do what I did on one of my first spotting trips and uh, leave the camera switched on the night before a big trip. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably pretty high up on the list. New camera, new camera, don't need a second battery. The first battery's fine. Yeah, that was the biggest mistake. Um, <laughs> no, in general, I think my sort of motto is if I've got to sit and edit a photo for a long period of time, it's not worth keeping. If, if you've got to do so much changes to it to make it postable, look good, or you're happy with it, again, I wouldn't keep it personally. Mm. But other people have different preferences. People say spend as much time editing as you need to to get the shot there. But my personal preference is sort of, if it's not at least 60% right, I'm not going to keep it. Probably, a bit it probably forces you to become a better photographer too. Yeah. I like, do you I'm do you edit your photos, yourself. Jeremy? Do I edit? Yeah, a little bit. Um, nothing extravagant. Um, a little bit of contrast or brightness to kind of bring the the backgrounds alive a little bit more. Um, definitely nothing like uh, I think Lightroom was one I downloaded recently, but I haven't used it yet. Um, it looks like there's a lot that you can do with Lightroom. Yeah, um, I think that's what right most now, just, use. Yeah. Even on the, the cell phone, it looks like it's a pretty usable, accessible little uh, application there. So I'm going to mess around with that, but for now, it's just been... No, Lightroom's yeah. good. Um, leading on from what Liam said, obviously, about, um, you know, with it being 60% right, you will find that that's quite a popular um, opinion. Um, but like Liam said, you will find differences. So for me, for example, um, the amount of times that I've heard... Uh, you know, get the shot right in the first place, I do sometimes think it's not as simple as that. You know, I know that's not particularly what Liam was saying, but for me personally, even if it looks like a dreadful picture, if I think there's any chance of salvaging it, I'll give it a go. But a lot of that is to do with my enjoyment in post-processing. So where a lot of people want to turn up, click, shoot, job done, maybe up the contrast, I'm good to go. I quite like having a picture that I think, you know what, that's dreadful, and then seeing if I can get it to the point of going, that's going up. It's, it's mm -hmm. always worth trying. It's yeah. just yeah. don't spend too much time on it. Yeah, yeah. I need to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. 
Definitely. Uh, yeah, you will hear different things. Um, that's that's the thing. Obviously, the, the but again, the thing is, there's no silly questions, um, and you will get different answers as well. Um, <laughs> which sounds really daunting. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm sat here going, yeah, everyone will tell you different, and don't listen to oh, anyone. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> your flying is the same way. I'm used to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, that that's. You know, like I say, even just with the three of us, you've, you've had a few different uh, varying responses. So it's always good to ask the questions, to be fair. Mm -hmm. um, and just make, my probably biggest tip is make sure you've got the light right. Mm. So I guess from your perspective, being up in the air, the light is going to be pretty decent anyway. So you hope anyway. Being it depends. Season, that's that's a variable. That sometimes you don't have any you know um any way of changing um it's all dependent on the day i mean it's, it's like that lake and heath trip um you know the what was it the, the friday the the weather was absolutely superb finally um but then After fast forward to a few hours uh, <laughs> you fast forward to a few hours when the was it the mo guys yeah yeah where when they came in and it was horrible but literally a few hours later, the light had changed. The skies had, you know, was it overcast? And yep. everyone that was there said basically 90% of their shots were throwaways. Most of mine were. Uh, yeah, sometimes the environment can be your enemy. Yeah. Always make sure yeah. the sun's you gotta, behind you. Yeah. <laughs> you got to check weather, I guess, for uh, for photography days. Mm -hmm. Kind of like, uh, like aviation, like flying. Got to yeah. pick a good That's day weather-wise to, to do your best. Sounds like they've got their similarities, to be fair. Obviously, I'm not here saying we're now military men because we take pictures, but like what you're saying, like making sure that the environment and the weather and yeah, the timings cool. as well, you know, because the last thing you want to do is turn up to a place and everything took off three hours previous to your, you know, prior to your arrival, because then what's the point? Um, it's, it's, the Sorry. No, go on. The weather can sometimes make or break your trip or your day photography. Um, Matt in the group chat today, Matt Bright, he's had a bad day, I think, <laughs> um, down at Shawbury, because uh, it's just been overcast and shooting helicopters in overcast weather is probably not the easiest thing to do. Um, so you, you do get really bad days when the weather just doesn't help you. And... Sometimes you just got to say, yeah, forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's another similarity to the flying for sure. Some days you just can't get anything right. You're like, all right, I'm going to take it back for a full stop and try again tomorrow. It's like some days just aren't yours. But yeah, I, I was going to ask, what's the weather like in South Carolina? Is it generally hot or? It's, it's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's warmer than a lot of places, especially a lot of places in Europe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think today is... Uh, well, 88 Fahrenheit. I'm not sure exactly the Celsius translation offhand, uh, but warm. Um, warm. Warmer than Sounds UK. Warm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. So are you often dealing with clear skies or cloudy? Or yeah. Um, in the summer, we'll get some storms uh, pretty regularly, big thunderstorms. Those are actually, uh, if, if you're not too stressed out about other things, it can be kind of fun flying around and uh, just checking those out. The, that vantage point of those towering cumulonimbus from the air um, is really cool to see from that perspective. Uh, but it also can jam us up with different training objectives, of course. Um, and then in the winter, it's, it's pretty much perfect. Uh, sunny and, you know, 15 degrees, 17 degrees, something like that, um, Celsius. 
Yep. And um, yeah, winter's ideal. Summer's a little hot, but you get used to that. It's, it's funny you yeah. say about the clouds because I, I can't help but find another similarity in photography. <laughs> Sometimes, as bad as being overcast and cloudy as it is, you do get times where you get ridiculously dramatic skies, horrible clouds, but they make a picture just look so savagely dramatic. Um, so again, that's one to look out for as well. You know, if you're, you know, milling about and fancy taking some pictures, but you think the weather's rubbish, if you've got some dramatic clouds outside, it's always worth looking at for sure. Definitely. Right. Uh, Jeremy, any more questions for us at all, mate? Uh, one last question for you I had. Uh, have any of you guys had any like cockpit experience or would you want to at some point? Liam? Um, I've flown a Cessna 152, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty nice. Um, that's I'd what, like I, that's what I flew too at first. The, that was my first flight, the uh, 152s, 172s. Nice. Yeah, I'd like um, to try it again. I actually have a fear of flying, so... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure well, why you I pick a perfect pitch. hobby then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why he keeps his feet firmly on the ground and just takes pictures of them. I'm happy to take pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, I The closest I've got is, obviously, back in the day, going on family holidays, I always wanted to be a pilot, so I'd always try and speak to the pilots, ask if I could sit in the cockpit, go and visit the pilots, and that really was about it um i'd love to give it a go i'd love to maybe have a flying lesson or anything like that um but unfortunately it's just never quite happened for me at the moment um i don't want to say i got close but i did apply for the raf a, a couple of years back um unfortunately not that i'm bitter about it but i was one mark off of proceeding to the next stage and you used to work for a ba didn't you i did yeah i did work for bae systems um but that was more the maritime side of things um i was hoping to maybe see if i could um transfer elsewhere but again things just didn't happen um do they let you reapply for that or is it like one shot and then done was that the raf sorry yeah, yeah. Do they let you like reapply again next time? Yes. In the Air Force, a lot of times you can try as many times as you want for stuff like that. So with the RF, to be a pilot, you had to be in um, an issue officer training before your 27th mm. birthday. Uh, oh, yeah. So I, my first attempt, I was 25. Um, yeah, I think I was. I think I was 25 years old. Um, and I was, I got all the way up to RAF Cranwell. I did my computer-based attitude testing and all of that. I was obviously doing my fitness on the side, hoping to get to the next stage. Um, and then when it came to that testing, I, I beat, so basically there's, there's um, an overall score that you have to beat, um, but you also have to beat the individual sort of testing sections. Uh, I beat the overall score, but I was one mark or like section below one of the areas that I needed to complete. And he said, Unfortunately, because of that, um, yeah, you, 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 he said you can apply again, but it has to be 12 months later. So you can apply oh, once yeah. a year um, all the way up until you're 27. So obviously now it's out of my hands, which does sort of help because um, now I know it's not a case of me not wanting to or not. I'm, I'm not allowed. I'm now no longer allowed to be a pilot. So um, it's worked out for the best. Don't get me wrong. Well, I'm not in the military. Here, you know, There's I'm still not, civilian I'm, stuff too, though. Yeah, unfortunately, with that, um, I, I did know a guy that is now flying for EasyJet. 
Uh, only thing is, is it cost him about 70 odd thousand pounds to get his uh, commercial pilot's license. Because, um, yeah, he did say to me, he was like, yeah, you should do it. And I went, I, I don't have seven pounds. And he said, well, I'll borrow it off your family. I said, I don't know what you think my family do. <laughs> I said, I'm not sure what you think we do over here. But yeah, um, it, it is what it is. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy with what I'm doing now and I enjoy aviation photography um obviously speaking to the people like yourself as well um it's almost for me the next best thing and i I really enjoy what we do now so um yeah at the very least if any of you guys are ever in charleston let me know we can go rent a a little airplane and tour around the beach and stuff it'll be fun yeah Yes. Alex will never get there, but (laughs) (laughs) I'll watch. (laughs) You can take the pictures. Yeah, I'll go. Yeah, we'll have to bear that in mind. Thank you. Appreciate that. How are you going to get to America, though, Alex? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's got you there. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, good point. We'll discuss it after. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, um, is that everyone done for questions? I think, so. I think so. Yeah, nice one. Well, um, that just about gets us back to base after another flight. Uh, Jeremy, we hope you've enjoyed it and that there wasn't too much turbulence. Uh, before we finish up, we'll go around the group so you can find us on social media. Um, so if you let us know if you're on Instagram, Facebook, and what your um, handles are. Um, Alex, we'll start with you. Um, uh, I run a little page called uh, AV Geeks Assemble. <laughs> Some of you may one. know. <laughs> But um, yeah, every user assemble on Instagram and Facebook. Nice one. Uh, Liam? Yeah, so on Instagram and TikTok, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> and mine is uh, l.c.r. No, not a dot. Just <laughs> I'll repeat it l.c.r. <laughs> photography. Yeah, nice one. Uh, Jeremy, over to you. Nice. Yeah, I like to use the dots. I use the dots as well. So mine is, I'm just on Instagram, really. Um, I don't post too much there. I definitely apply to the quality over quantity or try to anyway. Uh, so if I have a picture that I really think uh, is, is pretty decent and some people might like, I put it up. Otherwise, I don't post anything. Uh, but my handle on there is jeremy.the.aviator. Um, every now and then I post a halfway decent pick. I like to a think great for, page. for cell phones. <laughs> 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 And like I say, we're, we're looking forward to seeing the results you start getting with your camera as well. Um, yeah, my, so mine is um, Afterburner Aviation, and that's on Facebook and Instagram, um, which reminds me, I still need to do my 10K giveaway. I'm nearly at 11, so there goes to show how <laughs> long I keep these things Come going. But I promise I'll do it soon for everyone that uh, actually... After got- the wedding. <laughs> after the wedding yeah yeah <laughs> oh actually in saying that yeah not that many people might care on here but the next time you hear my voice i'll be a, a married man yep so, uh, yeah congrats thank you thank you yeah looking forward to it we've just got to hope that the weather holds out for us <laughs> um, organize a c17 fly pass and then we'll uh, we'll give Panic a bell and see if he can get behind on a, in an F-15 as well. I'm not asking for much. You know. <laughs> and you, you'd still miss it, though. You'd still, still miss it. Them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, to everyone listening uh, and watching now as well, of course, um, thank you for joining us on episode 10. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we did. 
Uh, please drop us a DM on Instagram or join the Facebook group if you want to give us any feedback, because we do appreciate it. So in episode 11, uh, we'll have another special guest, um, a Togger, who has travelled the globe, and we may or may not have mentioned his name earlier in this podcast. Uh, so if you can figure out who we mean and would like to get your questions answered by him, then please send us a DM on Instagram, which is once again at avgeeks underscore assemble, or we will start a topic on our Facebook group, avgeeks assemble, uh, for you to post your questions there. Um, so Jeremy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we do appreciate your time. You know, at the end of the day, you're a very busy C-17 pilot and you've given your time to humble old us. So we appreciate it. It's my pleasure. It's great talking to you guys. Yes, likewise, likewise. And um, yeah, we, we look forward to um, seeing your adventures on Instagram and all the things you've got to come. And um, we look forward to talking to you in the future as well. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Um, and well, to... Thanks. Everyone else, thank you guys. Appreciate that. Uh, stay safe out there and we will see you at the fence.